The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. What if the start of Passover and Holy Week were marked by something called a blood moon? What if a rare planetary cross came full at the same time, followed by another blood moon and a solar eclipse as well? Are such signs in the heavens merely coincidences, or should we be trying to understand their meanings? Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Our guest today is Dr. John Wessels, a near-death experiencer with more than 45 years devoted to mastering the art of Jungian astrology. He's interpreted thousands of astrological charts for clients throughout the world, provided answers to vitally important questions about relationships, wealth, health, family, psychodynamics, and careers. He also has expertise in finance relative to global economic and financial systems and offers in-depth financial consultations to his clients. John's career in astrology started in his early teens when his two aunts, who were professional astrologers in Philadelphia, taught him the art of archetype astrology. In the months leading up to Fukushima, John predicted that a global catastrophe would occur on March 11, 2011. He has important predictions concerning world events during 2014-22, to 22, especially global economic events, and how people can best position themselves for the unfolding spiritual ascension process. During his 24-year career at Duke University, John served as the director of of Administration for Auxiliary Services, a $150 million business division of the university. John holds a BA, an MBA, MDiv, and PhD, degree, PhD degrees from Duke University. He served as a chaplain at Duke University and also a, a, a karate and a judo expert. So, John, welcome to NDE Radio. Well, highly, it's quite an honor for me to uh, be on your program. Half the program's taken up with your credentials. <laughs> Pretty impressive, John. I was thinking if, I'm, if, if the end ever comes and we're all hiding out in caves, I, I would like to have you in my cave. <laughs> well, I'd be happy to be in your cave. <laughs> but I don't think it'll come to that. <laughs> Hopefully not. not my, that's um, not my prayer. Uh, we are... Um, this must be a particularly exciting time for astrologers with... Uh, all the uh, signs and, and symbols going on in the heavens. What do you, what do all these heavenly configurations seem to pretend? Well, they pretend a tremendous uh, inner as well as outer change in the world. Uh, I've had my eyes on this uh, unfolding, transiting cardinal grand cross for well over a decade. Um, but uh, you know, there there is so much swirling around this configuration, which is unfolding really throughout the month of April, the Grand Cross began to form technically uh, around April 3rd. It'll reach its culmination uh, on April 23rd to 24th when we will have the planets Jupiter, Mars, uh, Pluto, and Uranus forming exact oppositions and squares to each other at 13 degrees in the signs of Libra, Capricorn, Aries and Cancer. Uh, so what what will this portend? Um, I think what we can expect is the unexpected. 
we can expect tremendous um, uh, change in the world. This could occur uh, in a number of venues. Um, but I think the change will actually, I, I think this is really just a trigger point for change that will be unfolding for the next two to three decades. So I, I wouldn't expect April um, on its own to be a time of uh, all of the change that I think we'll see occurring. Um, I want to back up a bit and put the month of April and this transiting Cardinal Grand Cross in a much bigger perspective. I think this would be helpful, hopefully, to your audience. Sure. Uh, so, you know, again, certainly this month of April could cause people to feel especially high-strung or to feel especially nervous or concerned or worried. That's uh, pretty normal, I would think. So if, if your uh, listeners are feeling that way, rest assured that's you know just a normal byproduct of, of what's unfolding right now. But from a bigger perspective, and I think this is you know really helpful to get a handle on this, what, what's really occurring and what's being triggered by this planetary configuration, as well as others that have preceded it and will also occur after April of this year, um, is really a shift from one epoch to another epoch. And this is tremendously important. This is a, an amazing time in human history uh, in terms of human spiritual development. Uh, and uh, there are a number of ancient traditions that have foreseen this shift from one age to another. Astrologers for thousands of years have known about the procession of the equinoxes, which is a 25,700-year cycle, which is currently ending now, and a new cycle is about ready to begin. Uh, the ancients certainly knew about this. Uh, Plato, uh, 504 to 500 B.C., called it the Great Age. He certainly knew about it. Um, not only that, uh, ancient Mayan prophecy indicated that there would be an end to this you know, huge cycle. Uh, they pinpointed the date as December 21st, 2012. But I think they understood that, that this shift will, you know, occur over decades and decades. And then we also have ancient Hopi prophecy. There were nine prophetic uh, prophecies that the ancient Hopi elders had, and one of the final ones was the appearance of a blue star, Kachina. And their prophecy was that there would be an ending of a so-called fourth world and a birthing of a fifth world, the end of this old, you know, tremendously long cycle and the birthing of a new one. And in the fifth world, they, they foresaw that to be a time when humanity would develop spiritually in profound ways, and there, the brotherhood of mankind would be you know, uh, placed in the, in the forefront. Uh, the last of their ninth prophecies, uh, as this age would unfold, was the appearance of what they called a blue star Kachina. And interestingly, we have a, a comet called Comet Holmes, which was discovered in 1898. And uh, on uh, October 23rd to 24th of 2007, uh, uh, Comet Holmes was making its appearance in the skies again. And inexplicably, uh, the gases surrounding it uh, blew up, so the size of the comet was 500,000 times larger than it had been. It was actually the biggest object in the solar system. For, for several days, and astronomers were absolutely 
flabbergasted. They couldn't figure that out, how that had occurred. Um, so, uh, you know, we've had, again, we've had not only uh, astrologers as well as the ancient Mayan elders and Hopi elders foreseeing the end of one great cycle, beginning of a new one. And I, it, personally, I think that the birthing of the new cycle or the new age possibly began when uh, President Kennedy was assassinated. Then we had, in 1987, an event, an astrological event, called the Harmonic Convergence. And in the mid-'80s, we also had the uh, too-big-to-fill interlocking banks globally creating exotic financial instruments called uh, credit-default swap derivatives, interest rate swap derivatives. Then in... um, the early 90s, we had the birthing of the Internet, which was creating a grid of consciousness around our planet. Then we had, obviously, September 11th, 2001, and then the uh, Blue Star Kachina in 2007. Uh, 2000, September 2008, we had the beginning of the implosion of the global financial systems. And then we had Fukushima uh, in March of 2011. And then we had the unfolding of actually... Um, seven cardinal transiting squares of the planets Uranus and Pluto. So those began occurring in 2012, and the last of these seven will occur on March 17th of 2015. The current current Grand Cross uh, represents the fifth of those seven events. But then we also have, uh, that's not going to be the end of it, um, if you look at America's natal founding chart, which is called the Sibley chart, uh, the second house cusp for natal founding chart is at 16 degrees Capricorn. And Capricorn, Capricorn the second house, Capricorn, would govern uh, America's financial system, banking system, corporate systems, and political systems. Now, the planet Pluto which uh, governs, uh, uh, it governs uh, the power of nuclear fission and the entrenched power of the world's plutocracy, that, that planet will be uh, entering the second house cusp on January of 2016. It'll be, it will be transiting through America's second house until April of 2038. Interestingly, the Hopis thought that the, you know, the, the real birth the final stage of the birth of the fifth world would be around 2040. Mm. Uh, And so these things all seem to be aligning. I think what we can expect to see during the next 20 to 30 years are tremendous changes in uh, global corporate, monetary, um, political, judicial, and social systems and I think any old structures that are not, no longer serving humanity's highest good will be morphing, hopefully dramatically, so that this new age will be a time when uh, the, system, the new systems that are going to be birthed will, will be set up to better serve the needs of humanity. In the, in the meantime, uh, there, are, there are a number of wonderful things that may occur. There are a number of possible outcomes that I foresee that I I pray do not happen, which um, could involve uh, 
you know, severe downturns in the stock market or the bond market or even the value of the American dollar, which is no longer backed by anything of real value. Before 1971, it was partially backed by gold. Uh, and I, I think, you know, what's really important to understand is uh, it's up to each and every one of us to, you know, try to develop as much as we possibly can spiritually to become the highest versions of who we could possibly be. And if, if we do that, we can, we can make sure that um, the worst possible scenarios don't unfold and the best ones do. One, one of the depressing things about the uh, former world, especially the Hopi stories, but also the, the Christian, the Judeo-Christian traditions as well, is that it's a disaster followed by a small remnant of survivors reestablishing civilization. Uh, that does not portend uh, <laughs> a good sign. Uh, my understanding is this Grand Cross has a lot of negativity to it, a lot of opposition to it. Could, could you go into that a little bit? Yeah, okay, so the Grand Cross potentially could carry, you know, tremendously difficult outcomes. And again, it's important to understand that, you know, even though it's culminating almost to the degree, very exact, uh, 13 degrees for each of the four planets um, forming this Grand Cross on April 23rd to 24th, uh, events in the world may not occur, you know, exactly on those dates. They may cluster around them, so we may not see you know, some of the changes or tremendous upheavals that uh, the Grand Cross may be bringing us, these things may not come to pass for four months or even years. This is simply a trigger, energetic trigger event. Mm-hmm. Um, so so in terms of, you know, some of the really negative things that could happen, well, uh, you know, again, expect the unexpected. We could, in terms of the Earth, we could certainly see volcanic or earthquake activity. Uh, in terms of uh, econo- the economy, I think that we could see severe downturns in the stock and bond markets, and there are rumblings that, that the dollar itself may begin to lose its reserve world status as, a, as the world's petrodollar. Um, you, you know, I think, and also we had Occupy Wall Street occur a number a few years ago. I think we could see, you know, more social unrest. Um, as these things are unfolding, uh, certainly it's up to each and every one of us to look deeply within ourselves, our unconscious psyches and our shadows, to try to ferret out both light and dark elements, bring the light elements up to the light of day and activate them. Those are great gifts we bring here to share with others. And to um, bring up dark, the dark elements within us that we may not be aware of bring them up to the light of day, and try to heal them. As we do that, there, there's a wonderful book called Power Versus Force by Dr. David Hawkins. And in that book, his main tenet is that, you know, any one person on this planet who is spiritually evolving could be the tipping point for the rest of humanity to help humanity navigate through the next 20 to 30 years without these worst-case scenarios unfolding. Um, so that I think that's you know really important to understand that we all have a tremendous responsibility to try to make sure that the best outcomes are occurring. Uh, John, as a, as a near death experiencer yourself, do you see a role being played by 
uh, NDEers in this uh, in this oh, new birth? Absolutely. absolutely. As a matter of fact, it struck me this morning as I was thinking about chatting with you today that there is an interesting parallel to some extent between what's unfolding astrologically and uh, the effects of the panoramic life review for near-death experiencers. Uh, you know, the panoramic life review allows uh, someone to look deeply within themselves and understand, you know, what's terrifically important in life. And also, often it's uh, a profound catapult for, you know, tremendous healing when, when people come back. Uh, and I think these alignments are also providing us with an impetus for tremendous healing. Uh, you know, and change. And so, uh, and, and absolutely, the n- people who have had near-death experiences are really a light under the world, to, unto the world. They, they bring back with them tremendous insight and understanding. Often this, these events are life-changing. People change dramatically. They, many of them come back with uh, tremendous gifts that they never had before. And they often dedicate their lives to the betterment of humanity and the world. And so, yes, near-death experiencers are, uh, you know, uh, are a, a locus of very important um, love and change in the world. I have thought that it's interesting the technology um, that now brings back so many people who would otherwise have died, you know, uh, defibrillators and the like. Uh, that there might be um, a bigger reason that that technology has recently developed just because so many more near-death experiencers are now surviving and coming back to tell their stories. Well, isn't that interesting? And let's think about the timing. Again, if if this shift from one 26,000-year age to another one is occurring right now, uh, and the, the the next age will hopefully be a time of tremendous spiritual development and growth, isn't it interesting that we have many, many more people being resuscitated and coming back with you know, uh, profound insight into what's really going on spiritually in the other realms, and they're bringing that here. I, I mean, I think that's terribly important. They're, they're actually probably helping birth this new age. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I'm uh, thinking that too. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that's a coincidence at all. Uh, let me ask you another one. Um, uh, you and I had talked earlier, and, and uh, we share a belief in the possibility of reincarnation. And yes. I think you had said something to me about it's um, that we have a choice as to what the stars, uh, the stars' configurations are when we're born. In other words, we get to choose something about our our own personality, or we fit into a pattern that determines our personality. Who do you suppose will want to be reincarnated if the world is going through a crisis period? Well, uh, I think I think everybody who's come here today is uh, they knew exactly when they were going to be born in this historical time period, and I think everyone who's been born now, uh, you know, they're fulfilling, embodying an archetype of the hero with great courage and bravery. Um, and great love. It takes profound love as well as courage to come here at this time and try to be a beacon of light in this world as it's undergoing this shift. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think, you know, uh, and, and it is my understanding that before we are, you know, rebirthed, we pick everything and we know all of it. We know our genetic encoding. We know exactly all, all of the nuances embedded in our natal astrological charts. Actually, that's an energetic pattern that, that you breathe in your body upon your first breath and it downloads into every cell of your body at the molecular level where it co-resides with your DNA uh, patterning. And so your DNA encoding and the energetic pattern embedded in the natal astrological chart, both of those are arbiters of what the ancient Greeks called your hymarmony or your mora, M-O-I-R-A, your so-called fatedness. Hmm. Understanding that we also have free will to change any element in our life that we wish to. Um, but yes, we, I think we know everything about who we will be. We'll know our parents, who, are, who we'll have as partners in our lives, what our, our great talents may be, um, what types of careers we'll, we'll uh, launch, etc., who our children will be, all of it's known. Mm-hmm. And then we obviously have to forget a tremendous amount of that before we come here. That's part of the so-called oath, I think, that we take before we're reborn. We're not allowed to remember everything we knew in the spirit realm because if we did, we simply have no impetus to really have any soul growth here as a human being unless we come here as a spiritually illumined master. That's different for them. Why do you suppose being born into this age that so many people would choose uh, greed and the desire for power and uh, all, all of the problems we see in the world, you know, the, the corruption of the environment, people are making conscious decisions to do these things. Or unconscious decisions uh, prompted by the unconscious shadow. Often, I, I, think, I think the greed and corruption we're seeing in the world today is really, is really um, coming from people's unconscious shadows. And, uh, and often people are very unaware of what they're, I don't think it's conscious at all. I think they're very unaware of what they're doing because they haven't begun to look deeply within themselves and try to awaken and affect profound inner healing and change. Now, um, that being said, uh, I, you know, I've pondered that question for quite a long time. And I wonder if, you know, that kind of, this level of greed and corruption is actually necessary as one of the elements to trigger the shift to the new, to the new age. Mm. And so, in an odd way, it's serving that purpose. It's certainly causing a great deal of harm. But it, I think, you know, as it grows, it, it'll force people to wake up because it, you know, be so big that it's in their faces, and that's going to cause I think, this shift from one age to another where people are growing spiritually mm-hmm. in profound ways. What, uh, to come back to April for a minute, do you see any um, significance in the fact that uh, these signs are all taking place right around the time of Passover and the Holy Week and Easter? Oh, uh, yes. Isn't that interesting? That, uh, uh, yes, <laughs> I thought so. <laughs> I mean, it's just really interesting. I don't think there are really any uh, coincidences by accident. (laughs) (laughs) And so, uh, you know, the the higher powers that be that are, you know, tremendously wise,
realignment would occur. And, you know, again, hopefully that would get people's attention and, again, make them begin to ponder their spiritual lives and what they're really here to do. Are they here to simply pursue a career and try to earn a great deal of money? Or are they here also to grow spiritually and to help others and help the earth? There's a there's there's a new movie out. I don't know if you've seen this Noah movie with no, I haven't. with Russell Crowe. Well, not uh-huh. not not to spoil the story, but the main story he's rewritten the Bible story basically to suggest that Noah has this serious inner debate about whether or not it's his responsibility to save the animals and kill off mankind, or to or to opt for hope. <laughs> And let and let survivors go on to to uh, restore the earth, and uh, it, it is an interesting question because it seems like innocence, true innocence, is, is result resides in nature rather than in uh, in our hearts. But um, I, I'm guessing that that you're voting for for humanity to come back and do a better job. I yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I, I think again the the hope is foresaw this fifth world as being a time um, when we would be ascending from a dark era to one of light and of great wisdom. And uh, certainly I think the Mayans thought that as well. And ancient astrologers also believe that um, when one cycle closes out, there's usually an era of darkness preceding it, and then the world begins to... Uh, transcend uh, to elevate into a world of greater light and understanding, and that's certainly my hope. Again, I think you know David Hawkins hit the nail on the head when he focused on the concept that it's up to each and every one of us. If you know, if, according to ancient Hermetic doctrine, as above, so below. So that's the basis for astrology, but also ancient Hermetic doctrine, which goes back thousands of years to ancient Egypt also posited as within, so without. So your internal level of vibrational radiance is going to profoundly affect what's showing up externally in the world. That's the basis for the so-called law of attraction. The ancients knew about this thousands of years ago. Mm. And it has nothing to do with what you're actively doing in the world. If you are simply, you could literally sit in the corner of your bedroom and never leave it if you have achieved you know, an extremely high state of spiritual development, the the energetic vibrational essence of who you are is going to profoundly affect hundreds of thousands or millions of other people and and help elevate them. I think there's a story from the Kabbalah that says there are 36 people praying for the world that are are keeping things afloat as it is. Oh, I think, yeah, uh, according to uh, Gurdjieff tradition as well, there, there's always an inner circle of highly developed uh, members of humanity, and usually the numbers and the handfuls who are doing the same thing, same same kind of idea. Well, maybe there's a spiritual remnant, like the the few survivors from Noah's Ark, or the few survivors that that traveled in, in sealed in a log in the Hopi tradition from the fourth world to the, or to the fourth world, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, that's this little remnant. Maybe there's a spiritual remnant out there that uh, anyone could participate in by simply uh, going into meditative prayer and and uh, aligning 
aligning themselves in the world with uh, with the Creator. Absolutely, uh, you're hitting the nail on the head, Lee. I couldn't have said it any better. Well, it's going to be an interesting uh, an, an interesting month, and uh, we're living in interesting times. I guess the old Chinese curse. <laughs> I gave a speech uh, a few years ago, and I've got it sitting here in front of me. And the first sentence in the speech is, "We live in interesting times." <laughs> that was the first sentence. Well, uh, <laughs> I'd say you hit the nail on the head as well. Uh, one last question. This is this is more a financial one. We I often hear about you know people saying, "Well, the dollar may fail because it's not backed by anything." But what would take its place? Is there anything out there that? That is yeah. backed by anything? So, so there are a number of nations that are considering uh, creating what's called a special drawing rights currency, which is a basket of currencies, some of which will be partially backed by gold, but also there, uh, Russia and China and the BRIC nations are working on creating um, uh, international um, program for settlement of trade in using gold instead mm. of the dollar. Or, or and the Chinese are actually thinking about, behind the scenes, creating a gold-backed uh, yuan. That's their currency. So they're, yeah. gonna, they're, uh, they're getting tremendous gold reserves right now as they're preparing to do that. So there are a number of things that may happen, and it all involves uh, gold, uh, you know, being uh, the, the standard of value. The standard of value that's going to back whatever currency is coming to the fore. John, tell our audience how they can get in touch with you if they, if they want more information. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'd be more than happy to be in touch with anyone who's listening. Uh, my email address is J-W-E-S-S-E-L-S, and then the numeral one, not spelled out, at Frontier.com. So it's jwessels1 at Frontier.com. And uh, my phone number is 919 381 5251. Very good. Well, thank you so much, John, for uh, for being with us today. Oh, my uh, pleasure, Lee. Looks like we're just about out of time. Okay. I'd like to thank our guest, Dr. John Wessels, for an extraordinary explanation of April's Heavenly Signs. If you would like to listen to this show again or any other of our programs, please visit our website at nderadio.org. And for more information about IANS, please check that website at iands.org. There will be information on that site about our upcoming Labor Day weekend conference on NDEs, health and healing in Newport Beach, California, from August 28th to the 31st as well. So save those dates, and thanks for listening.